The comments within the following podcast are those of any show hosts and not representative of any company in which the show hosts may represent. Welcome to podcast number 303. My name is Jared Reimer and I hope that you will enjoy the program as much as I have putting it together for you. Swatting. Is it becoming a bigger problem? It starts out with an article. Facebook Cyber security exec victim of swatting call that brought up a discussion when I quoted and retweeted it and somebody else tweeted me an article a decidedly creepy story about social media can impact your life And with my discussion with that individual came out bullying. Is this just a disability problem? And can social media really be bad for you? Both are my articles and all will be linked in the show notes. A Braille question. I found something of interest in regards to Braille that came across my desk in a question that was asked of me. The answer to their question is no. That particular portion of the code did not change. However, has anyone seen anything similar to what I am going to describe in this segment? Marty Schultz, the developer of a lot of games called Blindfold Games, is here to discuss his new company, Objective Ed. We also cover a lot of the games. I talk about the games that I've got. He talks about the games that are popular, the games that have sort of dropped off, and of course he gives his contact information as well. And finally, our contact information and what's coming up on a future podcast you don't want to miss the next edition of the podcast because I think we've got something very interesting in Fillmore news but first let's get podcast 303 out of the way with a discussion of swatting Is it becoming the next big thing? Let's talk about some articles. And let's get the discussion going on this one. Before it is too late. I am Jared Reimer. Thank you so much for listening.
Welcome to podcast number 303. My name is Jared Reimer, and this time I want to talk about an article that I saw. And I also retweeted it. And Somebody ended up responding to me talking about their experience. And I will link to this article in the show notes. This particular thing is not going to be the first time and it's not going to be the last. As the article says that an executive at Facebook shot his wife, tied up his kids, and planted pipe bombs around the house. Now, unless something happened to the executive of any company, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, Starbucks, whatever, If they were going to do such a thing, they would do it, they would get out, and nobody would know, right? And, or maybe they would call the cops and say, I did this, if they were just wanting to get out of life have a different kind of life in a place that they don't mind being for a while, but in most cases they won't. But the police are still grappling with what's true and what's not. Now, the person who did this ducked out after they try to get a negotiator on the phone and everything so they sent out the police the guy was arrested for a couple hours until they realized the whole thing was a hoax luckily nothing was done to harm anybody and in the article in the article it was linked to several cases, including Brian Krebs, and of course the Kansas case, which reminds us that even if you do follow everything right, and they're trying to do their job to make sure everybody's safe, and you get shot, and you found out, well, uh, that was the wrong man. But it's well too late. I mean, mistakes are going to happen, sure. But (coughs) this type of thing is happening all the time. And the reason why it's talked about now is because there's somebody at a big-time company like Facebook that does have... A 
prominent role in life. And I am absolutely not surprised about this for one because I bet you there are prank calls like this going on every day. And somebody was tweeting me after the fact. And we were communicating. And they sent me to another article which was written way back in 2013. And it was interesting because in some instances, they are given death threats. Right? I mean, can you imagine? Getting a death threat out of all of this? I did many years ago. It was sent to me by email. And I sent it to Yahoo. Yahoo came back to me at that time and said the account was shut down. And I wasn't expecting them to tell me that. And I'm like, huh. You know, the, the reason why is that that person was actually wanting to target a couple of us. And... Frankly, I don't even know what he's doing nowadays. I haven't heard from him. Don't remember if I've ever talked to the guy, but it happens. And the gentleman in question who I'm not going to name in the audio, but you'll see his name in, in the linked article, is talking about his own experiences, and I link to my own. And while some people's experiences are different, and they ultimately... I hope come out as a good thing and not a bad thing. 
We need to understand that we should not keep our mouths shut. While my recent case linking back to podcast 62 of the tech podcast series wasn't a swatting hoax and was mainly social engineering we need to understand that no matter the type of incident it is it should all be taken seriously I I'm hopeful that the community can talk about this and make this known that this particular thing, no matter if it's swatting or social engineering or anything else, needs to be taken seriously. And one of the things that the individual in question says he does is that he searches them out online. And back when I got social engineered, I did that. I I searched his name and I found that there were articles and I read those articles and we talked about it and we made a public scene that this is something that's out there. And as soon as the guy turned 18, we were turned loose and we released that podcast way back in 2008. And I don't expect this to go away. I think this is the number one problem that police face today. Police face this type of problem because they really don't know what's happening. They hear something and they go to investigate. Sometimes it turns bad. Sometimes it's just to the good. Maybe somebody gets arrested for a couple hours until they find out wait, everything looks okay here. We're sorry. But we only did the best we could under the circumstances. And it's not hard to do. It's not hard to do at all. That's what's so bad about this, is that the technology nowadays makes this so easy to do. And I'm afraid that we do see the occasional mistake where somebody is shot and killed who has done nothing wrong in a situation like this, but I assume we're going to see a lot more of these. Um, I I just can't believe the type of stuff we're seeing but then again I probably should not be surprised at this turn of events 
where in 2019 we are seeing swatting cases and social engineering cases and phishing and malware and all this various types of crime and malware and and viruses and things aren't typically considered a crime they're a nuisance phishing technically isn't a nuisance sending money isn't a nuisance ransomware and ransomware jumped up a, a large amount I mean ransomware even though I heard it dropped some you know it, it it's still pervasive and now with the way technology is and that it is so simple to do this I start to wonder if some of these swatting cases end up seeing more people gone it is something to think about ladies and gentlemen this is no laughing matter so it's something to definitely think about and that's all I'm trying to do put it out there let people read the articles and let's discuss it it's the only way that way everybody can learn about what is going on I will continue with more of the podcast this is podcast number 303 of the technology podcast series and my name is Jared Reimer has occurred to me in regards to Braille and well I've not received something in the mail that I've requested it'll more than likely come soon but somebody was asking a question and I'm gonna cover this in the podcast because I'm curious on what other people think. Now, this is not in regards to any transcription course or content. This is in regards to reading and what they're seeing in Braille and the proper way of doing it. I help out on Livewire taping a conference which I don't mind doing. The conference in question has 
devotionals such as portals of prayer and it includes Bible scripture reading. I don't mind doing the conference and I don't mind helping out with the taping. Some of it is interesting while others of it seem to be interesting but yet I'm not interested. It's a, it's a mix blessing if you will. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone what they should believe and not believe. But something came up in the conversation during one of these conferences that caught my attention and I thought I would ask and see what other people think. Now, I ended up having to go get my book to verify the information that I was giving them, even though I knew that the information I was doling out is correct, because I'm now on lesson nine of my transcription course, but yet I transcribed it quite a while ago. And so I wanted to verify something. And the verification came because of the fact that the word in question was here, spelled H-E-R-E. And for those of us who know Braille and have learned Braille forever, it is .5H. And so, it intrigued me when the conference host said, did they drop the contraction for here? Because it's spelled H-E-R sign E. And I'm like, what? I said, as far as I'm aware, here is still part of the contraction list. There are only a handful of contractions that are a goner, if you will. Now, the transcription book doesn't cover the contractions that are no longer in existence because the transcription book assumes that you do not know Braille. And it's mainly geared for people who are sighted learning Braille for the first time. It is not geared toward those of us who have known Braille for most, if not all, of our lives. So I had to do a double take. And I read them all of the dot five contractions that are still in effect in the Unified English Braille Code today. 
Now, those outside the United States are probably going, yeah, we know all of this, but something has happened to where somebody did not use the contraction where they should be. And, of course, learning UEB, for those of us in the United States, is getting accustomed to changes in the way that Braille is written. For example, in Lesson 9 of the book, it says that words like adhere use the here contraction. And I'm curious if you've received books like Portals of Prayer or other devotional readings that you might be interested in whether or not you have seen this type of thing where a contraction should be used but wasn't. Is this a person who is not familiar enough with the system that they know the word? They're probably using six-key entry and they don't know it, but yet they're asked to transcribe something, so they just spell it out because they don't know what it is? Or is it somebody who just made an honest mistake? Without seeing a copy of the book, I'm not going to sit here and lay blame on anybody. And even if I have, it's not for me to lay blame here on the podcast because it does come from a company which makes a large amount of Braille. They also do audio and other stuff for people who are blind and low vision to study the Word of God. As I said, there are many different companies that do this. And there are many different companies in the brailing industry that probably have made mistakes. I am thinking that this is a true, honest mistake. And there is no such thing as 100% perfect braille. But if you're using automation software to do the transcription from print to braille. The transcription software would know that a word like here is contracted with the .5h. All of the major transcribing pieces of software out today know this. I am confident in that. So the only thing that I can come up with is that this is a transcriber who did this in six-key entry. And when you do that in six-key entry, it back-translates correctly. But when you read it in print, it is not back-translated the way of 
the correct way, meaning here written in six key entry H E R sign E would be written as dot five H when read back translated. My assignments when they've had those errors had those errors because when I back translate it into Braille again it has the original Braille of the way I wrote it. And so I'm sort of curious on whether or not anyone has ever seen this. And is it an honest mistake? Or was it software driven? I would be curious on your thoughts. I'm not going to lay blame here, but it's sort of a question. Coming up next, I did an interview with Marty Schultz of Blindfold Games. He is here today to talk about the games with me. I go through my game list. We talk about a good majority of them. I ask him which game or list of games have not seen the light of day as of late. And of course we talk about the most popular one at this current moment. Blindfold Doggy. And he talks about his new company, which I'm excited about because a lot of the games, even in talking to him in mentioning, are used in educational settings for orientation and mobility. And they are also used for blindness-related skills of other types like spelling or math. And so that interview is coming up next. This is podcast number 303 of the Technology Blog and Podcast Series with Jared Reimer. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. Well, you've done a lot of stuff in the blindness community. You've won some awards. I've seen your stuff on Applevis. 
I've also helped you with beta testing. Uh, so you've got what? I think the last number I saw from you was 80 games. Yeah, there's roughly 80 games, um, maybe a little more. Like some of the apps actually have multiple games in them, and like Solitaire probably has at least 15 different variants of Solitaire in there. And, and so some of some of them are um, uh, are full-fledged games. Others are just so many different ways a given game can be played and really has different set of rules. So, yeah, there's probably at least 80 out there. The first game we talk about is Blindfold Doggy. Blindfold Doggy. Um, it's a game where you take care of one or two virtual dogs. And uh, you have to feed the dog and walk it and water it and play with it and brush it. And you earn um, points. And then if you're playing the adventure game, you also are earning kind of coins for the game that, that you can then use to buy items for your dog, like food or toys or clothes to put on your dog. And I, I think I've initially released it in October, and it's been pretty steadily popular uh, since then. So you know, get like another couple of dozen people, play, you know, downloading it every single day. And the cool thing about that, that game is, it's not a game where you play constantly. It's more a matter of the next time your dog needs something, the phone will tell you, "Oh, by the way, you have to take Rover for a walk," or "By the way, you need to feed Rover soon." And it's, uh, you know, some people ha- had been, you know. Bringing up their dog now for a couple of months. They're up to thousands of points. Blindfold doggy. Yeah. I did see see that um, in the beta test thing. And I'm like, I'm not too sure. Because I know you got to spend a lot of time on that. And I've never been into those particular games. Yeah, but it has to be not a lot of time because, but but it's interrupt. So anytime you know you get some free time, you can you know take your dog for a walk or play with it, and then the dog will be good for a little while. Yeah, it's kind of like having a real dog, which is you know they require responsibility. Of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. and I think that's a good teaching skill. And uh, so you have that, and you were you know you've had requests for game show type games, which I've played Uh, and yeah the other one that that just in the process of releasing is a bobsled game um that was in beta testing for a while uh we were actually racing a a bobsled down a track and that sounds like fun i should have gotten into that but i haven't i I haven't had a chance so that that would be fun um, but I guess the most significant event over the past year really is the fact that um, based on so many teachers using the, these games, we've actually uh, launched a new company that's focused on building um, expanded core curriculum-based games uh, for visually impaired students. And this kind of started back probably about a year or so ago when I started hearing from some of the TVIs and some O&M specialists telling me they were using the games to reinforce certain skills. And I remember I was talking to Diane Browner, who is a TVI. She writes for Perkins Path to Technologies. And she was telling me that she used Blindfold Barnyard to teach cardinal directions and and, uh, compass directions. And she used Blindfold Hopper to teach uh, look, sound location and predictive where sounds are going. And at that time, she asked, by the way, can you make a uh, battleship game? 
And I said, why? She said, well, it's a great way to teach kids about grids. And when you're you know, in seventh or eighth grade and you have to learn a grid as part of your math lessons, if you can really get a handle on the grid by practicing with a battleship game, then um, it makes that transition that much easier. And we did that, and she started using it with kids and, ter- and promoted it on the Perkins blog. And then she said, now can you make a 3D tic-tac-toe game? I tried that one. And I said, why? She said, well, believe it or not, visually impaired uh, children are much better 3D tic-tac-toe than sighted children are. And so not only will it make the kids feel better because they'll be winning, but it's a good way to, to get someone to think in 3D. So I said, well, you know, I probably wouldn't do real well at this game, but I'll make it. So I made it, and um, she, you know, a bunch of teachers are now using it. And I've heard from teachers all over the country who kind of say, you know, can you – They'll have like five or six games that they use regularly with their students. And I was in uh, New York uh, a while ago meeting with some of the people up at the Lighthouse Guild there. And they said, you, I should really take a look at the needs of younger kids and, and what kind of games they can have to help with their progress in education and socialization. That led me to visit a conference of the CEOs of all the, the vision uh, agencies in the country out in Tucson about last May. And I, I went up to them and I about 50 or 60 people there. And I said, what do you think of the idea of me taking blindfold games and kind of turning it into a company where we make uh, expanded core curriculum games and tie it to the students' um, goals and objectives of their IEP? And everybody thought that was a great idea. So I said, okay, well, I haven't, they haven't really turned me down yet, so I'll, let me do some more market research. My background, by the way, is, is starting software companies and, and growing them. Mm-hmm. So I then went out, I think, to uh, – oh, then I did a survey, and I, I have thousands and thousands of people on my mailing list and my blog and things like that. So I put out on the survey – um, I put out on this blog a survey that was focused on teachers of the visually impaired students and orientation mobility specialists. And I asked, you know, can you fill out this 20-question survey? And I worked with a couple of university professors to make sure the survey would be accurate and in the right, use the right terminology and all. And I got back hundreds to thousands of responses and, and everyone telling me, yes, it's a real need. Please do this. So... We started putting together a business plan to do it and, and started to seek out investors. And the first thing I got, got, question I got from investors or potential investors was, what did people do before the blindfold games existed? And, and what exactly, pro- what problem were you solving? So I went out to the AER conference in Reno, which is a conference for uh, mainly teachers of visually impaired students in the U.S. and Canada. And they do have a subsection for orientation mobility specialists, but it's mainly TDIs. And I would go up to people and say, have you heard of blindfold games? And if they did, then I'd say, well, do you use them with your students? And some of them said yes. And I said, well, can I talk to you for about five or ten minutes to understand what the purpose of the games are in your eyes? And I learned two things from that. The first being the games are a great reward for for students because um, – when they're do- when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they can play the game for a while as a reward, the kids like it. The other thing I heard that was more interesting was a lot of these itinerant TDIs will go out to visit a student once a week or once every two to three weeks for an hour or two, and she would teach the- some skill, an orientation and mobility skill or um, 
some braille literacy skill and she would come back two weeks later and for the most part the student had not progressed at all didn't practice on their own didn't practice with their parents and they said when we put a blindfold game there that actually exercises the skill when she comes back the student has made real progress um, what that taught me is a student these games not only fun to play but they're actually reinforcing certain skills I said, well, that's pretty interesting. I wonder if we can really take this idea and actually build games focused around the skills that, that the teachers determine the students have to need. So we started talking to even more TVIs and, and more specialists, and I went out to the a couple TVI conferences, some of the orientation mobility conferences at both um, SOMA in um, in Tampa and in Swoma in Texas, and I met with some of the people of the Texas School for the Blind and met with people over at the Carroll School up in Boston and Perkins School in Boston and kind of all ran this idea by them. And they said, yes, there's a real need. If, if we could build the games that's actually tied to skills, then yes, the students would make massive progress. So we raised the money, um, hired a set of both of game designers and other uh, software architects, and we hope to have the first set of games out within a few weeks for heavy testing. And then we want to get lots and lots of games done by the summer, you know, dozens of games by the summer as we start expanding out um, our efforts to get the games into everybody's hands. Right. So that's kind of a general idea. And what we're doing is coming up with all the different skills and hearing from the teachers of, of what skills do you need to work with for a pre-K student? What skills do you need to work with a second grade student? What do you want, you know, if you have an eighth grade student, what skills do they need to, to learn that wouldn't otherwise be taught in the standard curriculum for sighted kids? So um, we're getting lots of suggestions and all those suggestions are leading to, you know, interesting um, games to reinforce certain skills and uh, we have a great set of uh, game designers now working with us all over the country, about five of them, um, who are just dying to work on this project. So it's all kind of moving along well. And for me, when I did mobility in the 90s and you know, so forth, I came up with a game called Sports Mobility. So the instructor would get points if you did things incorrectly. And you would get points if you would do things correctly, and you could you could set the points. There wasn't any, uh, you know, there wasn't any set rule. You could sort of adapt it to your own needs. And so, uh, then so, we came up with crunch points. Every time there was a bunch of leaves, if you found them, you get like bonus points, right? It was it was sort of like, you know, that was fun back in the day, but. I only mention it because if if you're doing this for O and M, and you tell, look, I talked to a guy and I podcasted with him, and you know he had this idea of sports mobility, and of course I don't know how they're teaching mobility nowadays, if it's still the same as we as we were taught when I was younger, and I know there's different adaptations and mobility instructors retire and such, so. It would be kind of interesting if we could get like the sports mobility type of game built where you know you get points for not necessarily using your phone like a like a cane but you know maybe you know like a set of questions or or something you know and if they get the question correctly out of a set of you know four 
possible answers, they could get points. It's like a trivia type of, not necessarily trivia or, you know, Jeopardy or, or one of those, but, you know, something similar. It would, it would something, something to do with, you know, you, you, you tie in sports, which a lot of kids are into, and, so, you know, what, the, the training that they're geared toward. What right? would be an example of something where we're tying in sports to, to this game? Um, well, I don't know exactly how how it would work as of yet, um, but, but I, you know, we I called mean, it sports mobility. It may be called something different. But if you, I mean, why don't you kind of think about things that you think would be fun, and then you know, write it up and shoot me an email, and and I'll turn over, you know, turn over the game design. Now, the game designers we have are not visually impaired, and, they, and none of them have ever met a visually impaired person before, so. They have to take feedback from the people like you and, and like uh, teachers um, to figure out what's fun at the same time as building out a skill. So if you can think of anything that would be both fun and would uh, be a required skill, I'm sure these game designers will, will figure out how to make it very much fun. So if you have ideas, please share them. And, you know, if my users, my listeners, you know, on the podcast that this will go out to have any ideas, you can email me and I'll send them on. That way, unless Marty wants to give out his contact information toward the end, we'll figure that out later. But Marty, uh, you've got a lot of games besides Doggy, which you talked about. Um what are the what are some of the more popular titles you have out there? That I was actually looking at the the summary list of how many games I, I have and, and how many times it would download it. Um, I think Blindfold Racer has been downloaded something like forty one thousand times. And I've played it for a little while, off and on through the years since I've had a phone since fourteen. Yeah, and I was blown away by that because. Um, the, the statistics on, on this website basically tell you how many unique Apple IDs, not how many unique devices. So even if somebody upgraded a, a device, it would still just show as that being one person. But I thought 40,000 is a lot. It is. <laughs> yeah. So that was. And that's the first game you started with, correct? Right. And then I would say Blindfold Bowling is up in the 30,000s, uh, Blindfold uh, Color Crush is in the 20,000s. Um, Color Crush is similar to Candy Crush. I play that in relaxed mode, and mm-hmm. I think at some point I might as well just either buy the entire, like not the entire set, but buy the unlimited coins because there's times I feel stressed out, and I'll just use it to relax. Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting because I, there's a couple of people who really love that game. I do love that game. It, I, I'm it's like that- on level 141. Or something. I forget exactly the number, but I'm trying. It says like I'm at eighty six point five for for points. I think is what it was, and I think it said one forty one or one something. And I'm like, how are these points at eighty six and a half? And I'm at like one something. 
I, I don't know. It's been a while since I jumped into the, the logic of the game. About once every three months, one of the th- big game fans will say, Marty, can you put together an audio pack like this? Okay, and and they'll like I'll come up with a new game, and they'll say, "Can you take some of the audio out of that out of that game and make another um, set of things for uh, blind for color crush?" Crush. Yeah. So I've done that. um, uh, And you you don't just use the 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 initial sounds; you call them gem packs, and you've got I don't know. I bought some of them. Yeah, I think there's probably 40 gem packs over time that, that I've built. And some of the gem packs are simply words, but the fun gem packs are sounds. So yeah. someone comes up with ideas for, for cool sounds in a gem pack, I look at it. So when I did Doggy, Blindfold Doggy, that gave me, I think Blindfold Doggy uses about 80 different sounds. So, for example, uh, a dog whining, I might have seven different variants of it, and it will randomly pick each when the dog whines because the dog will whine if they want to play um, so I took one of the wine sounds and added it to uh, um, the Color Crush game, along with the barking and some other things. Um, and it's similar for cats or, or large cats like tigers and lions. But people have ideas. Like at the end, you know, we can give out the emails and people can contact me with their ideas, and that'd be cool. Then yeah. the next game that is very popular, uh, or the, like the fourth most popular game, is probably Blindfold Barnyard. That See, was I think I tried it, and yeah. I either didn't understand it or something, because I think I downloaded it either from the from the beta, and yeah. I just either I got confused or I got lost or didn't understand it. So I want to try it again. Yeah, that game is is amazingly popular, and a lot of TVIs use that game to teach directions, you know, uh, both compass and, and clock directions. Um, then there's kind of the next set of games they used by teachers would be things like uh, Bop Gesture. Bop I Gesture, played that one. Yeah, that's actually now being used by some of the vision rehabilitation services and teachers that basically teach voiceover gestures. So what started is simply a game that people would get faster and faster at, like the Bop It game, turned right. into something that people are using to teach uh, people who are, you know, struggling with an iPhone and learning voiceover. Yeah. Um, some of the other games have been complete failures where maybe it had three or 400 downloads and nobody liked it at all. Well, um, the, the name that tune game was very popular and that continues to be popular. Uh, yeah. Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, all those are very popular. Yeah. Um, I was looking into doing a Price is Right game, but I couldn't find any reliable sources of item prices that had interesting items in them. And not only that, but it fluctuates every day. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually looking at both the Walmart and the Amazon top you know, 500 products and, and looking at those lists. But you know, even, even if here the price varies by a dollar or two, it wasn't a a unique enough selection of products. So that hasn't been solved yet. Yeah. I've got blindfold word games. Yeah, I mean, word games are always popular. I mean, word games at this point, we have Hangman and uh, Boggle and Words from Words and Unscramble and Word Cookies. Unscramble uh, was interesting. I, But... Do you know a blind person who can do the alphabet backwards? 
No. I can. You can? I actually can. <laughs> so be, Unscramble must be easy for you. Um, I haven't played it in a while, but yeah, if I, you know, if it's, uh, I could f- pretty much figure it out. I haven't played it in a little while. Let's so, see. I got a bunch of them on here. Let's see. Um, hey, I didn't want to do that. I'm not going to demo anything, but I've got Color Crush there. Um, okay, so I got, well, Super Tile Smash isn't yours, but I've played that one. It's an interesting game by a developer mm-hmm. smashing tiles for points. Different variations of it. Um, but I got Simon here. I've uh, gotten a, um, quite a number. That's an interesting looking game. Let's see. Uh, I don't remember. Okay, so seven. You got a version of Seven Words. It's not called Seven Words, but I have that one. Yeah. I have Blackjack, <laughs> Racer. Yeah, Fifty Two is not yours. The Sudoku and Sudoku Mini. I think I I ended up understanding Mini, or was it Sudoku? I don't remember. But I I I I, I started understanding those two. Are those two popular still? Uh, Sudoku, not so much. Uh, Sudoku because that's nine by nine, and that's awfully hard. I mean, uh, that was actually recommended. Asked for by Judy Dixon, who works for the Talking Book Program of the Library of Congress, yeah. and that was like one of the first few games I did. So I did that one, and for the for about and then about two years later, I redid it because it was really awkward. I learned a lot more after two years on how to build these games much better. Because um, I, I tried I, it, and I think I emailed you going, "I don't understand this game," and you were sort of explaining it to me, and then I was like, "Oh, duh!" So then I started solving some of them. So I got yeah. Sudoku and Sudoku Mini. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, the Crazy Eights. Yeah. Have you played the slots game? I have. Uh-huh. Uh, that's Blindfold Roulette, and I think... No, there's Blindfold Roulette. There's also Blindfold Slots. Uh, like Slot Machine. I helped you with Air Hockey. Uh-huh. That, there, that was an, that's the first time I've played Air Hockey besides uh, you know, playing occasionally at a game. Let's see. Do I have slots? I have video poker. Okay. I have wild card. Mm-hmm. Oh, that blackjack's not. I don't think that's. No, that's not yours. That blackjack game's not yours. I've got war. Yeah, war, well, I don't like the war game's kind of boring. It is kind of boring. Not well. War itself can be interesting, but um, I played it and it took a while. Yeah. But the slot machine game is, is the newest of the casino games. And what I did was for each slot machine, I, I added a mini game to it to give you extra coins when you win. I don't know if I have that one. Let's see. What else do I have here? I've got Hopper, mm-hmm. which I've played. That's kind of an interesting game once I figure, figured it out. It's like I had to wear a pair of headphones. Yeah, there's there's about 10 of the games that need headphones to play competently. Air hockey is also like that. Then when I remember I did basketball, I didn't want to require headphones, so I basically um, either would give you the information, or if you wanted to find out where another player was, you kind of point the phone in the direction, and then it would tell you what's in that direction. 
All so right, when you're see. playing against another... I got video poker. I don't think that's yours. I got blindfold dominoes. Uh -huh. Either I don't really understand how to play it or I just play just to play because I don't... I mean, it, it beeps at me and it does what it needs to do, so I, I guess I sort of... So I got dominoes. Uh -huh. And I've got hearts. Yeah. Let's see. I got the bowling. Yeah. Breakout. Breakout's interesting. Yeah, breakout is basically a more complex version of Pong, which is actually very similar to air hockey. Yeah. But breakout is a little more challenging than the air hockey. I figured out if I leave the thing where it is, yeah. no matter what the speed, eventually the thing's going to go fast enough to go in and I don't have to touch it. Yeah, which is true of regular breakout as well when you, you know, if you're playing a video breakout. Um, pinball is interesting. Did you play that? Yes, I uh, I played. I did play pinball. Um, mm -hmm. I think I bought another table. I bought something from it. I've got V ball. Yeah, that's like ski ball. Yeah. Yeah, ski ball. I've I've got the top. That might be the one. I have to check and see which one's giving me trouble. But I've got tile puzzle. Mm -hmm. Blindfold tile puzzle. Uh. Blindfold word games. Word games. Blindfold bingo. Bingo. Yeah. Um. Travel cards. You renamed it several times. It used to be uh, uh, road. It was road trip, and then I renamed trip. it because we were adding so many more types of vehicles. I think there's trains and boats in there now. Yeah, those are cars. Pinball. I've got. Mm -hmm. Fortune wheel. You you renamed that a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's probably, uh, I don't know, yeah, it's called, yeah, Fortune Wheels is its latest name, so yeah. Phrase Madness? I get a kick out of that game. Yeah, that was written by a guy named Ken Downey originally. He sent me the source code for the Windows version. He passed away about two years ago, but we collaborated on that game when I moved over to the PC. Is So that's his voice, then? Yeah, that's Ken's voice. Actually, it's probably a combination of voices because I think he collected a lot of different people's voices. Yeah, but that was fu that's always a hoot. If you guys don't play anything else, I recommend that one because you're basically trying to match, and if you get them wrong, um, what's said is absolutely funny. Yeah, I, I can't quit laughing. Sound search. Yeah, that's actually become quite. That's actually used by teachers as well for uh, building kids' memory. All right, that audio game hub's not yours. Uh, blind cricket's not yours. I've got the blindfold words from words. So yeah. it seems like I've got two of them. I've got word games and words from words. Is one? Yeah. Uh... Words, so words from words is not in word game. Word games has like four games in it, and then I started splitting them out because it was getting way too complex. Okay. Uh, and then the other, it, I don't, holy crap, Blindfold Millionaire. I don't know if I've, I think I played it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, it's been a while, but that, that's all of the Blindfold games I've got. Plus, of them or so. Yeah. And you're always you're always doing something. 
And that's what makes it interesting. Well, when I look at a new game to, to build, I kind of take, see what people have been requesting and then see what actually is a challenging game for me to build. That's why, uh, you know, both the... the and you know what? I did have the basketball game, and I don't seem to have it anymore, and that might have been the one that was giving me trouble because I did have basketball. Okay, well, see if you can um, get and back... I think and... I was using it from, from your beta facility, mm-hmm. and I don't seem to have it. I think I had to get rid of it for some reason or another because it kept crashing and I just never bothered to say anything. So maybe I'll try and get it from the beta facility again and see if what if it it's doing and send you a report. Yeah, re- reach out to me if it doesn't work and we can figure it out. But that basketball game is quite interesting among itself. You got multiple versions, multiple variations of it. Players and, and the whole bit. Make it, make it uh, very interesting. Yeah. I could never understand, though, how to dribble the ball. I think you just tap the screen. Um, because when I had it set to dribble, mm-hmm. and I did that, um, the whistle would always blow. And so You probably I, weren't tapping fast enough as you were moving or something. I forget what the trick is, but it's... It's in there. I know it works. Okay. But that but that's that's challenging. So those are all the games that I that I have. Um what, uh besides the doggy which is popular now. Uh RS games continues to be popular. That's oh yeah, the- and they just released some new material too. Uh two new ones. Uh-huh. I understand you collaborated with them on that one. Yeah, yeah, this was back in 2015, I think. But we were getting a lot of demand for multiplayer games that didn't make a lot of sense for me to build what they already built, so I reached out to them and we came to an agreement and I did all the work and you know, they advised me on it and then uh, you know, after about 4 or 5 months we got the thing working. So that's good. Um, what other games uh, are you looking at? Um, probably looking maybe down the road at, at a, a variant of Scrabble or something like that. There's been a lot of words for words. There's been a lot of demand for that. Um, and then I'm continuing to consult. A lot of my time now is, is taking into moving ahead with the Objective Ed company. So working with the the new game designers and we're kind of prototyping different new technologies to be able to build cool games we're looking at um you know what what other features of the ipad can we use that we're not using if there are new technologies like near field communication the same thing that works off of uh apple pay is there ways we can apply that in 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 something relating to a game are there things we can do do you remember when the xbox came out and there was a connect camera in that I'm not familiar, but it wouldn't surpri- have surprised me any. So the Kinect camera hook that hooked up the Xbox not available anymore, but it would kind of um, watch who was playing the game and know where your body parts are moving. And one of the games was a dance game. We thought this would be an interesting idea is, is come up with a, a game where we actually see what you're doing and then tell you to do things and have you achieve certain goals. 
Right. Well, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. So just lo- looking, just and we're very much open to ideas. So if, if any of the people out there have ideas for games that could be used in a teaching or a mobility or orientation scenario for either young kids or older kids um, or young adults, you know, we want to hear from you. Well, that sounds great. What other games might people find interesting? You've got at least 80 of them, and I've only touched the surface, I believe. Well, we have a lot of demand for a football game, but I haven't really decided how to approach that because there there are some slightly accessible team-playing games, nothing like uh, – and the games that I've done, be it basketball or, or soccer or uh, uh, baseball – were always kind of where you were one of the players as opposed to you simply managing a team. But there's demand for, you know, a team management game. Yeah. But I, I but it could be that um, some of the ones available already on the App Store that might be accessible would be good enough, and I wouldn't be adding a lot of value there by building something. Right. Wait, do you have any ideas for games? Uh well, I th- I think the uh, football game would be quite interesting if we could pull that off. I don't know of any accessible ones uh, offhand. I've been through a lot of the games that are on uh, AppleVis, of course, mm-hmm. but I don't remember seeing one specific to football. So that that could be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Um. I don't remember if I downloaded. I think I played that that soccer game you've got the the one where it's you against the computer scoring goals. Yeah, yeah, soccer kick. Yeah, yeah. I I had that, and I don't remember why I had to remove it. I think it was giving me it was airing out on me too, and I was oh. taking and I had it on the beta thing, and I don't remember why. I, I'll have to see if I can. But yeah, I helped you with that too. I think there was something yeah, that did. was happening that I was able to help you fix. Yeah, but I haven't heard any problems with any of the games recently. I mean, we, if a game's not working, people you will always email me, and we'll I will right away. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think about it, and I'm like, I'll go to play. I'm like, oh man, I got to remove this game, and I don't even think about it. But now that you mention it, uh-huh. uh, I'm gonna see if I can get back into into there and playing in. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's a, you know, it would be cool too, would be a, like a soccer type game where you score what, like there's a certain time limit, you know, sort of like a game, like a full game, but, uh, you know, instead of the way it's being played now, so you have to run and uh, shoot or something like that? Well, not necessarily. Well, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. run and shoot. You know, sort of. You know, sort of like soccer. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's always hard once we have an idea for a game. You know, how many features to add to it, or how much, how hard, how complex to make the game? Because we have people of a lot of varying skills out there, and sometimes we put a lot of energy into making the game very complex and multi-level role and, and, you know, it ends up failing because we, we made it way too complex. And that's, that's a balancing act too. And I completely understand, uh, all of that. It, 
it, it makes a lot of sense why the game, at least that particular one anyway, is is done the way it is. And I, I've never gotten bored of it. I just, I think I removed it because it was timing out or airing out on me and I don't think I ever saw an update for it. Well, if you have it again, you know, let, let me know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And that, and you love the email. Did you have you used a blindfold video at all? I have not used blindfold video. Um, <laughs> I haven't had a need for it, but I did. I did see the email about it. Why don't you tell our listeners about it if they don't know about it? Sure. So one of the testers came to me and said that while she was out with her guide dog, her dog got into a fight with another dog. And it ended up pulling her down, and she hurt herself a little. She said, "Is it possible to make a, an app that, as soon as you start, as soon as you start the app, it starts recording whatever's out of the back camera? Because when she's in these high stress situations, if, you know, using voiceover to get to the function you want on the regular video camera app, the regular camera app on the iPhone, just takes too long and it's too hard. So we created blindfold video to do exactly that." And there's about 2,000 or so people who have downloaded that and are using that as, you know, so if they're in a a stressful situation from a dog or being refused service on an Uber or something like that, they can record everything very easily. And where does it store it? Um, It stores it on your phone, and then from there you can forward it like any video or photo to, you know, via email or a message, or you can post it to Facebook or whatever you want. So it just it's it's sort of like tied into the camera then. Yeah, just using the camera to record as soon as you start the app. So basically, with two taps, you see the app starts recording. You know, so as opposed to starting up the camera, moving over to the video, to the video, telling yeah. it to start. That's exactly. two minutes right there. Yeah. Whereas this, you start the app, it starts recording. And I think the other thing that you built. Was a greeting card service? Yeah, um, blindfold greeting card where we provide about 200 sound effects and you assemble, you can either type or speak your card. It, it combines it with a sound effect that you choose and then you can send it to somebody via text or email or Facebook or Twitter or whatever you want. So kind of an audio equivalent to a, a video e-card. That's kind of cool. And people use that to, you know, so if someone's visually impaired, they can send to somebody else who's not visually impaired a card that has meaning to them in the media that they're, they're used to using. Or if somebody or family member wants to send you a card instead of sending a, you know, a picture that's just described as a cute dog in the field, it would be, you know, some nice sound effects that get across that same set of emotions. And I suppose that... My understanding of that is that it uses your server for that, so the pricing's a little different than than uh, other games. Well, I think we change it around a lot to where it used it used to be you charge we charge per card because it did require some costs on our end, and then we ended up eliminating that and simply charging for some of the upgrade features. Because ah. the price prices went down significantly on the storage on the web, so now it's like. If you want to be able to import music from iTunes, there's a a fee on that as opposed to uh, using the standard audio that comes with the card. So if there's something on iTunes you really want or there's a sound effect you want or a piece of music out of there, you just pay 
the few dollars for that feature of the game, and then you could have added use anything in your iTunes library. Got you. Trying to think what because I, I I did test that a little bit, but I never really played with it. I sort of let it go. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I don't know if I'll use it, but if I do, I'll get it then. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Um, let's see. Uh, what else have we missed? Uh, dozens of games, but I think you got most of the interesting ones. <laughs> I think we do. I think I've got the majority of them. And uh, your website is blindfoldgames.org. That's right. And my Twitter is at blindfoldgames. And if somebody wants to reach me to send me ideas uh, for more games or ideas for skills that that students need to be taught, you know, whether it's a young child or, or a teenager or something like that, whether it's something relating to ordinary curriculum or orientation issue or mobility issue, um, and they think this, can you come up with a game that will teach or practice that skill? We'd love to hear from you. And again, you can just reach me at marty at blindfoldgames.org. Okay. Well, that's perfect then. Lots of, uh, lots of great stuff. And we'll see about getting this cross-posted to a couple of podcasts because I'm sure that this covers a lot of different areas of, uh, I can get this on the White Cane Travel Podcast. I can get this on, you know, Menvi, as I discussed with you earlier, because they, you know, they might they might find it of value and might suggest some stuff. Yeah, I mean, if they have some ideas for music games and, te- yep. and teaching music literacy, that would be cool. That would be. Well, thanks, Marty, for coming on the program today. Again, thanks for inviting me, and and thank you to all your listeners as well. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, and I'd like to take this opportunity... Again, to thank Marty Schultz for being on our program today. This program has been very packed, and I hope that anybody who listened to the whole thing got what they wanted out of it. And, of course, you let me know what you'd like to hear. Coming up on a future edition of the podcast, turns out Fillmore Productions has some very interesting news. The message was played, but I could not hear it very clearly. I plan to play that message in its entirety and, of course, have my thoughts on what he has to say. I'm going to also go through the articles and see what might be of interest that I could talk about. And, of course... I would love to hear from you and what you would like to hear. So please send me those thoughts by email or iMessage at tech, that's T-E-C-H, at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. You can also text or WhatsApp. The phone number is 804-442-6975. I want to remind each and every one of you that the show notes 
are posted both on the RSS feed and we also have them on the blog where you also get other articles and things that I might not cover. We also have Sean Everest posting items that might be of interest that I may not cover either. But the blog is another avenue for us to get news out. I hope that each and every one of you have enjoyed the program as much as I have, and I hope to be back with another edition of the program very soon. And until next podcast, everybody, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Please stay safe, and I'll see you again on another edition of the program. Thanks for listening.